Welcome. Here we are again, talking about the greatest animated series of all time. Yes, I'm biased because I'm a Batman fan. Welcome to I Am The Night, episode 16, where we look at Beware the Grey Ghost, episode 18 of Batman the Animated Series with me. As always, is my son, writer and uh, literal legend in his own mind, Adam Ray. You sell me too highly, sir. I think that we see one legend looking up to another in this iconic episode of the great Batman the Animated Series. Um, they've done a wonderful job of being able to put some offbeat, off-the-wall, not-what-you-expect supervillains twiddling their moustaches before they're going to destroy the city stories. We see a very small and innocent... Bat of hero worship from Batman here in this episode, which is something I think was a very unexpected thing, but something that still seems sincere. What did you make of this? Sincere and real, and what it gave to me, and and it's really, really poignant and apt watching this with you, Hmm. is the fact that young Bruce Wayne used to watch The Adventure of the Grey Ghost with his dad, and... It's just little things like that that make rewatching this show, particularly with you, even more special. Because, like you said, seeing that Batman had a hero and that he collected the toys and the paraphernalia, much like you and I do with the things that we love, it's just um, brilliant to see Batman as, again, one of us. It was almost too meta, but I'm willing to forgive it because of the charm of it. There was the real moment right there in the the middle of the episode when he was able to get the evidence he needed, where Bruce Wayne was re-watching an episode of The Adventures of the Grey Ghost. Not too dissimilar of how we were watching us watching him watching a show about a hero, even though we're watching yep. a show about a hero. So there's just so many layers within the layers that you can really get with this kind of delightful story that you can really forgive it. And it's just wonderfully charming. And yeah, we're allowed to see Batman idolise his hero because Batman was that hero to so many of us. So it's great to see that he had that kind of example when he was growing up. And it's that wonderful, like you said, very meta thing of Batman um, hero worshipping Batman. Because, of course, um, I'm sure everyone knows, but it, for, for those few who may not, um, the Grey Ghost was voiced by the legendary 1966-1968 Batman Adam West, who, for many, including myself, was the gateway drug into the whole Batman phenomenon and arguably the main reason I'm a Batman fan to this very day. Even though he is decidedly much more colourful in camp than Batman as we know him, this figure of the night, which we see in great steads here in this episode, we get this sense that everyone respects Adam West for bringing this character to the screen one way or another. We see him as like obviously not as a Batman like figure we see him as a man who somewhat struggled but still we and obviously the showrunners who were able to cast Adam West for this part are grateful to Adam West for what he did for the name of the character and hate to have to like call you out in the manner of which you were accustomed to as the same way our extended family did a few short years ago he was most assuredly your gateway into Batman because there was 
a story of relatives. Oh, God, you're not bringing this up. Oh, I think our, our dear listeners deserve to hear this story. Oh, Feel God. free to stop me. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm not ashamed. There, there was a moment that um, some relatives told my family and I when we were at a family dinner. At a family dinner where we were eating all together, they were talking about a lovely little trip to the seaside. They were all there on their lounges in the beach and looking out over the water. Don't grumble, you love the story. <laughs> they were looking out over the water. It was nice and calm and serene and peaceful. We'd all had too much to eat. And a lot of the grown-ups were sitting there. And with the sight of the rolling waves there around them, they were calm and quiet and peaceful until all of a sudden my father at seven years old with a beach towel around his shoulders <laughs> pulled up over his head just ran across the sand shouting na 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 and you had no recollection of the story but as soon as they told them they were like yep that sounds like me I don't remember it but it's so clearly true yeah the fact that they all said oh yeah I remember that day that was I can't Tonight. yes that but, was me but that's such a very clearly an aping of the Adam West theme song <laughs> yes. which has to be such a strong entry point for a lot of fans to their first real media of Batman and even though some may like not particularly like it some may not think it's in keeping with the overall tone it's still a vision of Batman that is still in its own ways valid and correct that got a lot of people into the character and for that I have to be very grateful to Adam West uh, bless him really rest well mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm not going to lie, as a child, that show was one of the things I loved as as a child. But I'm not going to lie either and say that when I discovered the true Batman of the comics, the the darker Batman, especially after his... um, the way they changed him back to his dark self as he was created in the 40s and the late 60s and early 70s, which was when I was a child, when I discovered that Batman and learned his origin and the death of his parents and why he dresses a bat, I distanced myself from the 60s TV show and told everyone, oh no, that's not Batman and said I hated it. And in some ways I did, but then you look back and rewashing it again and seeing the 60s movie and the camp and the glitz, it was a product of its time. Hmm. And it was based on way crazier, way more camp 50s Batman comics and cosmic costumes and zebra Batman and rainbow Batman and going through space and super-powered Batman because of the censorship that stopped him being the original Dark Knight Crusader he was meant to be. So... Every aspect of Batman has a value, and when you see what he did, and please tell me I'm wrong, that voice is iconic. There is something about his voice, yeah. Yeah, and I defy anyone to show me, to this day, a better Bruce Wayne on screen than Adam West. I honestly agree. I think so too, because we get... In terms of like portrayals of Bruce Wayne, they're all very much chalk and cheese, the charismatic billionaire that could never ever really be the Cape Crusader that we know and see. I think we get glimmers of it with <coughs> George Clooney. Excuse me. <laughs> but um, no, I can agree there's a certain inherent melancholy to Christian Bale that distances him from being like a good Bruce Wayne because it feel because we because I always see the American Psycho and I can't take the squeaky mm. clean of Christian Bale seriously. Mm-hmm. And there were times when Ben Affleck seemed like an alcoholic, and I'm like, no, yeah. 
So, yeah, I would say that he was a round and about perfect Bruce Wayne. Absolutely. But then again, he was Bruce Wayne then. Right now, in this character, as Mr. Trent, he is a very different man. And you said something that I wanted to sort of pick up on. Did Adam West ever really do much else other than being Batman? Sadly, before, yeah, he did a fair amount of things. But afterwards, um, he was horrifically typecast. But he made the absolute best of it he, he thought well if I'm going to be Batman forever let me be Batman forever and the convention circuit and the paraphernalia and the toys and the games and sadly blessing the two animated movies the last one completed and, and released after his untimely death um, he was Batman in the hearts and minds of millions and always will be so while my love affair with his version of the character did Eben Wayne I will never ever stop loving and respecting his contribution to the legend of the Batman and the fact that, hey, if not for him, you and I may not be sitting here today doing what we do. That's very true. And I think it was his first real attempt to put Batman into other non-comic media was what gave us Batman as we know it today. But still, looking back on the man and what he did in this particular episode, there has to be a lot of mirrors still between what was going on with... Simon Trent in this episode about the Grey Ghost because he was a oh, yeah. uh, down and out retired actor surrounded by memorabilia failing to get any other work because people just knew him as the Grey Ghost so there was a wonderful bit of reminiscence there for this character and I think it might have been rather nice to get some sort of catharsis for Adam West in, uh, in a way it was a great example of art imitating life I think and the fact that he agreed to do it and did such a brilliant job in the role um, to the point where the Grey Ghost did appear in many comics afterwards, um, just cement his legacy. He's just one of those great character actors. And yeah, fair enough, he may only really be remembered for Batman, but I'd be quite happy if I was only ever remembered for Batman. It's a real thing to be remembered at all. So being yeah. remembered for a character that's treasured by millions across the world is still a big thing to be proud of. Yeah. He did wonders, I would say. Absolutely, and not just he. Um, We have to give credit to to the people who wrote this particular episode and directed it. Um, Dennis O'Flaherty, Tom Rieger, and Gavin Wolfe. Great name. Um, We have to say that not only did they bring Adam West back as an important influence on Batman in this episode, I don't know if you noticed that the design of the Grey Ghost costume is also very reminiscent of classic pulp heroes like The Shadow and DC's original Sandman, those pulp classic figures of the night, which did influence um, so many characters. And Shadow, I'm sure, was a great influence on, on the creation of Batman to, to Bob Kane and Bill Finger. I think that sort of look in its way is iconic and it's something that they did very well to tap into to show that this was a kind of like noir figure of the night that Batman would eventually evolve into. I also think it's really good to show the continuous timelessness of this vision of Batman because sure that kind of look isn't done for the heroes today or the heroes back then as in when whenever Batman was operating in the timeline of this show but it's still old enough that it feels old looking at it so that when we see the young Bruce Wayne watching this character on TV, it doesn't feel jarring and it doesn't feel out of place. 
And I have to just love the quality of the direction from the yeah. beginning of this episode. Absolutely. Because we get the side-by-side mm-hmm. perfect mirroring of moment-to-moment from the opening of the episode to when Batman Bruce Wayne realises, oh, it's something to do with the Grey Ghost. Because mm-hmm. I think, just a psychological analysis here, thanks Floyd, you can <laughs> say that if he was watching this from young enough with his father and still has positive memories around it, there was a time immediately after his parents' passing where those kinds of positive emotions would have just gone out of his head. Absolutely. He would not have been able to look at another episode of this show because it would just remind him of his father and everything Mm -hmm. he'd lost and it would just mess him up. That's why it took such a shock to the system for it to have this memory of this show just come screaming back to him. And it makes total sense, which is why I love that sort of distancing of it. But in the beginning of this episode, you get the title card for mm-hmm. Batman into immediately the title card for that episode of The Great Ghost. Then you see the factory blowing up in the show and the factory blowing up for Batman in present day. You see Grey Ghost talking to the policeman with a note. You see Batman talking to Commissioner Gordon with a note. You see the policeman and Grey Ghost looking over the evidence of it. Then Batman and Commissioner Gordon looking over the evidence of it. And then he realises when... Uh, Thomas Wayne scoops him up and says it's time for the Grey Ghost to go to bed now mm-hmm. showing that like back then Grey Ghost was the hero but now Batman's the hero absolutely everything you just said is so spot on and again kudos to already one of my favourite directors of this series Boyd Kirkland who's done a masterful job in like you said those beautiful parallels of Batman treading in the footsteps of the Grey Ghost and almost mirroring in <laughs> I say real life, but obviously it isn't in his presence what Grey Ghost went through in that episode. But the direction also with the monochrome of the Grey Ghost TV show. And I don't think I've seen a better use of colour as I have in this episode. The the scenes where Batman's standing on the rooftop and then the explosion in the distance and everything goes reds and oranges and there's warm hues and he's lit by the flames. And that happens a few times over the course of the episode. Stunningly directed the art direction the use of color in this episode was phenomenal the colors are actually very important across the whole episode because we get a lot of as you said reds and oranges obviously that's like the reds and oranges of the explosions of the bombs of the mad bomber in the past and the present of course we don't see the colors in the past because that's worn out memories and Mm -hmm. blank tapes that we can't remember those kinds of details when we look back but sure enough i think the warm of the reds and the oranges of is something comforting and exactly. bringing something back as Batman sort of owns up to that po- point in his past where he remembers fondly that figure from his own childhood. He even has that little particular shrine in the Batcave yes. to him, but there's still that little disconnect where he has to take a moment to see, oh, it's this specific moment of the Grey Ghost that's bringing him back that makes this case so much more personal despite him looking back on that origin. Did you notice mm-hmm. in that shrine, the main thing at the centerpiece was a poster, black background, red circle of the Grey Ghost swiping exactly, the cape, yes. exactly like the iconic yeah. piece of Batman art from this Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Genius. It was a wonderful little bit of art direction and art touch that shows that the hero of now was so heavily inspired of the hero of back then. Absolutely, I spotted that. And it was a lovely touch, again, of art imitating life. And 
life imitating art in, in both respects. And what I loved here, and we frequently talk about the quality of the guest stars in the show, but we have to, have to, have to salute Kevin Conroy. Because in this episode, we get the joy in his voice at seeing the Grey Ghost, then the disappointment at the fact that he's just a washed-up washed old actor. But when he meets the ghost at the top of the rooftop, when the ghost basically saves him from the exploding cars, and he presents the car to his, to his childhood hero, and he's about to leave, but then he stops, climbs back up there and says, Grey Ghost, do you want to help me with this? Kevin Conroy's voice at that moment, you could feel the the love, the respect, and like you said, those warm, uncom you, you cannot forget how you feel as a child when you love something. Mm. And he brought all those emotions back so brilliantly that it, it made me feel emotional throughout this whole episode. It would be as close to what it would be like for you to see an actor like... Kevin Conroy or Adam West not the longer possible sadly but still how was I with Tom Baker oh that was some powerful <laughs> hero worship right there, there you go that was some powerful hero worship but still it's the right reaction and which is why I find it so interesting that a few scenes later even though he still let himself have that moment of emotional connection mm -hmm. there was still the point where he was Batman and he still needed to compartmentalise yes. because I don't know if you noticed him when Gregor's climbed out of the car he was holding the blindfold he'd just taken off Yeah, we didn't see him take it off but we knew that he had that for that reason and even though this was a hero that he loved the possibility of him causing these attacks causing these bombings was still, a real concern absolutely it was a real concern but he still switched on a dime and was ready to accuse him and take him out if necessary mm -hmm. even though it was never made clear that it was something he would, was ready to do. It was something he would have to do. Mm -hmm. But that just shows the testament of Batman as a hero. I mean, because I did feel at a couple of points that is Trent the one behind this just to get himself back in the public eye, back in the limelight? But he should have known better. Once a hero, always a hero. And the reveal of the true villain was just... Because you're probably watching me giggle to myself and wondered why I, I was it's because obviously when I first watched this show before the internet before anything else I had no idea um, that the little blonde bespectacled guy who owned the toy shop who was trying to sell the gay grey ghost memorabilia um, who actually turns out to be the mad bomber spoiler alert but I'm sure everyone's seen this episode by now um is the spitting image of one of this show's main creators, Bruce Tim, And obviously now in the years between, I know exactly what Bruce Tim looks like. And I was watching it and laughing and thinking, hang on, why does this toy shop look like Bruce Tim? You had to like stop at the credits and be like, oh, it was. And you were just yes. like, so proud of yourself. You were able to recognise him that clearly. Yes, um, indeed. I suppose he has the look of a destructive toy shop owner. <laughs> Maybe. Or again, is this the ultimate art imitating life? And is Bruce Tim really a super nerd toy and comics collector just like we are? And he was just showing his dark side on screen. I feel like to be involved in this business at the level that Bruce Tim is, you yeah. have to have that kind of love on yes. the on love on the fringes of obsession. Yes. And this is him just admitting about how bad obsession could be. 
and him showing about how bad his electrical engineering and bomb making skills can be because <laughs> you would need those to be able to have yes, remote control cars to go to that kind of range and still set off bombs but you can still forgive it because it's a wonderful bit of charm and it's another unexpected way for that artist to make himself live forever in a different piece of media yeah. so I can't, can't really fault it and I know it's not necessarily the correct character and I know that the names don't match up and that's fine but I'm very interested in imagining this man this character eventually getting out of prison making his way over to Metropolis to bomb Superman oh yes being friends with the actual uh, uh, nemesis of Superman the Toy Man and yeah great Toy Man and Prankster god I've forgotten about those characters thanks for reminding me about those they were always stuck on changed his name Perhaps. They were always stuck on my head mm. after Alan Moore's great uh, Web Abbott on the yeah, Man Tomorrow. Absolutely. Because the fear in Superman's voice and expression in that single panel mm. dialogue, they were they were nobodies. They were they were annoyances and now they're killers. Yeah. What happened to the killers? Yeah. Exactly. When all of the villains just became extre- incredibly extreme towards the end of Superman's career and that imagined future of Superman's Run, but it's a nice thing to think about. I certainly imagine that character going on to that sort of line of work, maybe. Just finding a love for making killer toys and then scaling it up as he moved on to bigger bigger crime fighters to battle with. Mmm, intriguing. What do you think, listeners? Did Ted Dimer change his name to Winslow Shot and become the terrible toy man? Who knew? Perhaps in some parallel world or infinite Earth, he did exactly that. Or he went on to work with the DEA. Oh, yeah. You never know. Um, well, no, that's his son. Yes. Remember, yes. Arwin is uh, the son of the, the toy he man. Could still pick, he could still pick up the, his father's toy collection. Ooh, he could. Especially as he is coming back to Supergirl very shortly. Yeah, but I digress. Let's not talk about Supergirl. Let's talk about Batman. And once again, um, how great is our hero in this episode? Our hero shows the tenacity that's needed to take out a very mysterious, unclear threat. All we've seen is cryptic notes and a strange noise into remote control cars. We saw the little snippets, the little notes that he was leaving at the end of the crisis scene, torn up and burned by the wreckage of the burns and the explosions. But we knew that he knew that the next attack was going to be on the library. So while the police set up their perimeter around mm-hmm. it, he was there on the front line, bursting out of the front door to knock away these remote control cars. That is the most dangerous place to be, but that's the true heroism yeah. of Batman, that he would put himself into the highest point of danger to make sure that everyone else is safe. He literally stands in front of mobile bombs. Yeah. Um, he's, no, he stands in the building that is going to be destroyed mm-hmm. by those bombs and then bursts out to bat them yeah. away. Bat them away. <laughs> Very good. Uh, <laughs> You're batting a hundred. I am. Scream. <laughs> the tenacity of him, and the we talked saw in the previous episode him being beaten down by an invisible villain that he just doesn't really quit, doesn't. and that kind of strength of character, that kind of perseverance, is what I think is the most important quality in a hero. When there's so much adversity, when the villain seems so far ahead and they've just done so many unspeakable things, it is very easy for the average person, myself probably, mm-hmm. to an extent, Everybody. that when they see that much done wrong, they would give up. But and we see it 
twisting on its head this week where even though he's disappointed at first with his hero with Simon Trent the, the former Grey Ghost but he doesn't give up on him no he gives him that second chance and to my mind um, the way Grey Ghost comes swinging through that window to get Dimer and, and to, to stop his reign of terror that was a Batman move very much so without any shadow or of a was doubt. that Batman employing his training into Grey Ghost moves you can never tell mm-hmm. which is also still especially a mean feat for a character in his later years still being able to pull off that kind Absolutely. of movement in heroics yeah well let's not forget and I think this again is a very clever writing on, on the part of the guys behind this show that back during those 20s serials before exorbitant movie insurances and uh, the fact that actors are worth too much a lot of those actors did do their own stunts Harold Lloyd Chaplin um, up to the 70s with Michael Crawford um, those guys did their own stunts so I've seen supercuts online of some of the most extreme insane things that Charlie Chaplin's done oh absolutely scaling New York high rises Mm -hmm. on the unicycle on the 12th or something floor with the floor fallen out and there's no map painting that is a sheer drop um, tightrope walking somewhere. Honestly, the, those guys, those actors from those days, really risk yeah, their lives. Absolutely. I don't know any stories, but there must be stories somewhere where someone got seriously injured or died or such. I would be very surprised if they weren't. Actually, but... now that I think about it, um, going back to another piece of media we just mentioned a little bit ago, Peter Cushing's Doctor Who movies. Yes. I could never get that scene out of my head where that one stuntman gets blasted by those Daleks and then falls through the building. Yeah. And, like, very clearly hits his face on brickwork then lands on his back on loose rubble. Mm-hmm. Old-timey actors are crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think that it's apt that Simon Trim, even in more advanced years, could pull off a stunt like that, and I actually believe it. Yeah. I, actually, I, I have I no issue with that. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes total sense. And I really like that. It's it's a tribute, again, to the one hero we haven't mentioned, which we know throughout the history of the comic books, that did inspire Batman, a masked man with a hat and a cloak, Zorro. Mm. And that whole thing with him swinging in the rope is vintage Zorro. So we see, literally, that... Once again, the creators of this show are so steeped in Batman lore and darked Avengers of the Night that it's actually, it would be more surprising if this show failed, if this show wasn't as excellent as it is. I think there was a very clear choice that, sure, Mark of Zorro is the film that we just imagine Bruce seeing on the night that his parents were tragically killed. We know that he's appreciated those kinds of noir swashbuckling sort of heroes because that's what he ended mm. up going on to become but they chose at least I think they chose to focus this episode around the Regos because he was a hero of a city yes a city that could very easily be mirrored up to Gotham especially mm-hmm. with the mirroring they went on in this episode oh, so beautifully done we saw him handle that and we saw Bruce Wayne's attachment to that because that was the kind of hero work he wanted to do and end up would doing yeah because we see and it's a rare thing in superhero media 
we always get the hero who beats up the bad guy and fights crime. But to me, the aspect of Batman that I love most is, isn't, isn't just when he's fighting baddies, it's when he's just saving lives and protecting the innocent. And to an extent, he does that with Grey Ghost because he saves a, an old man and helps bring him back to what he loves. And this is a vitally important point. I don't know if you caught it. At the very end of the episode, when he gets the DVD signed by Grey Ghost... He more or less as tells himself it as Bruce Wayne. that he's Batman. He says exactly what he says to him in the Batcave, and yeah. Gregor is not an idiot. He figures out, oh, that's exactly what. Oh, okay. But I feel like that's an unexpected trope of Batman that somehow was carried over in the Christopher Nolan movies. He's really good at outing himself without actually outing himself. Mm-hmm. Because in the but only to people he really he respects and trusts. Because in the um, Christopher Nolan movies, we get his movie doing something simple and reassuring, he's putting a cut around a young boy's shoulder, or mm-hmm. it's not who I am, but it's what I do that defines yeah. me. Um, just to be able to make it clear that he never says the name, but he shows, oh, this is something you know that this person yeah. is around. And even to one of the greatest Batman like comic book stories, you know, I'm practically blind without my glasses. Yes. Absolutely. Which is not something he did to out himself. That is a point where he was recognised, but there's enough mutual respect to say, I will not say a word. Yeah, because I, I was convinced, as you are, that Jim's known the truth about Bruce and Batman all along, and it, it's just so brilliantly handled, like you said, by that amazing line. Yeah. We can say that there's enough mutual respect and there's a thank you mm-hmm. for saving his young son's life, that you've done this wonderful thing for me, but I've seen your face. But I'm not going to say anything because you've done this wonderful thing for me and I respect you as a person who does the right thing. Spot on. Which is what Batman does. Very much so. Uh, Truly great look back on where Batman came from in the non-dark, depressing way in Crime Alley. Yeah. And the things that made Batman Batman. Um, All the heroes that formed him become one in the form of Adam West as the Grey Ghost. And... This episode in itself is a tribute to Batman and everything that makes him who he is. And that's, again, a phenomenal thing to pull off in a 20-minute Saturday morning kids' cartoon. Very much so. Very much so. It's just wonderful pacing around a very clear thing they want to communicate, and they do it so well. They really do. Yeah. And with the little visits again from Commissioner Gordon and Summer Gleason, we're still getting the wonderful cast of characters that support Batman and... Once again, I have very little, if anything, to thought about this episode. But what about you, sir? As always, highlights, lowlights, things that stood out, things that you're taking away with you. Even though it's a clear episode that sort of focuses on Batman and his uh, understanding from where he came from in this particular episode and his uh, self-allowed, self-permitted hero worship, we still get the wonderful realism of the world of Gotham. Yeah. We get to see, oh, it's very easy that I have this uh, piece of historical TV in my grand movie collection. We could have got any sort of dusty archivist in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. house, but we see this like fairly chubby guy sit slurping on a, like, a big gulp. <laughs> so it just makes him seem just that much more real and detailed, and we get the beautiful character moment of Alfred being like, oh, this place is filthy. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that bit up because, again, like I said, we've got the supporting cast, but never has Alfred 
been more Alfred than at that moment. It's what makes the world feel so real and so lived in. The supporting characters of not 2D, which is very easy to do in like big, high budget, like prime time TV dramas. Yeah. Let alone kids, an- quote unquote, kids animation. Absolutely. Well, as you brought up the Alfred moment, then the, the one other thing that stood out to me was the scene with the Batmobile and the fact that we actually got, for the first and possibly the last time ever, Batman and Batman in the Batmobile <laughs> driving through the streets of Gotham. And I just thought that was a lovely, lovely touch, harkening back to that classic 60s Batmobile, which only had two seats for Batman and Robin. And here we see the Batman of now, the Kevin Conroy, and the classic legendary Batman of Adam West, side by side, stopping a mad bomber, and it was just a thing of beauty. That was the whole charm, the whole spirit of the episode, past and present generations coming together to celebrate Batman. Yeah, and uh, listen, as we are, you and I. Yes, we are, very much so, yeah. And long may it continue, because... We're going to watch this show to the very end and the movies and hopefully if uh, people are still listening and still commenting and still rating and reviewing us, maybe even going to the Batman Beyond show as well. But that's down to you listeners. Um, If you like what you hear, please do go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play or Stitcher, rate and review us, share us, like us and tell us what you think we're doing right and anything you think we're doing wrong because we're here to listen. So many great comments from everyone. Everybody, uh, so many brilliant people listening to the show and saying nice things. Thank you. We're doing this. Well, we're doing it for ourselves because we love it, but we're doing it for you guys as well. So, um, Adam, we know where we can find this show. Where can the world and his mother find you? Well, you can find me, dear listeners, contributing many reviews over weeks of the time on Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. I'm reviewing very strong, as we talked about, Batman Beyond Run, where we've got some, as a a time of recording, some very uh, surprising reviews and reveals in issue 3089, which was very well, nice and very well, no, issue 40, rather. Issue 40, yeah. Um, Nice round number for a nice big moment. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, you can find me on our grand love our own uh, own starting project fantasticuniverses.com where I review and discuss tabletop games my true great love you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash no ordinary heroes most nights of the week streaming Dungeons and Dragons with my nearest and dearest and you can find me on twitter at is it tinkerer i-z-z-e-t tinkerer and you sir you can find me simply by doing a search engine sweep for Steve J. Ray, and that'll give you links to everything I write, review, the interviews I've uh, performed over the years on both websites, DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News, where I'm editor-in-chief. And of course, you can find both those fantastic publications throughout the internet and across social media on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Tumblr. We also have an Instagram page now too. But um, remember that the I Am The Night podcast is one of three shows on this network. Do catch um, the original DC Comics News podcast for all news related to DC, DC Comics, DC Movies, TV, streaming, video games, toys, and everything else that goes with it, um, which is uh, produced every single week. And of course, the Spinner Rack, where my buddy Seth Singleton reviews his favourite five DC Comics releases of the week too. And you can catch those, as I said, Google Play, Stitcher, 
Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find podcasts. And a word to our sponsors here. If you are visiting any Wizard World Comic Con throughout the United States, get 10% off your ticket prices just by entering DC News at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout. We all love conventions. Why not go there with a little bit better? Oh, yeah. Listen, get in for less. Always a plus. So... This has been the I Am The Night podcast with me, Steve Ray. I am the night. Adam Ray, he's the night. We are the night together. Adam, what does everyone need to do? Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now. (laughs) 